it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 742 for September 3rd, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchat, and we're back with another installment of Programming by Stealth, number 139 of X. I feel like it's been forever, Bart. I was going to say, I have a vague memory of doing this show before. How long has it been? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but you've been on the show a lot, but you and I have not talked together in a very long time. So this is fun for me. I think actually from the listener's point of view, they had more of me than they've ever gotten used to. But we <laughs> haven't. Yeah, I, I told Bart yesterday I was going to send him a message just going, hi, how you been? <laughs> you know, we just haven't chatted. It's been forever. Indeed. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of family stuff going on. You've had a lot of fun stuff going on. And I have some work stuff going on. So yeah, life is a bit... Uh, a good interesting i would it's not may live in interesting times it's the opposite of that it's like genuinely interesting <laughs> so i know we're going to get started with the second half of our webpack uh discussion mm -hmm. and correct me if i'm my memory is poor from how long ago we've been talking about this but the idea of webpack is it's a way of bundling up your application so it'd be a standalone thing you can deliver and and put on the web without a lot of dependencies that have to be mucked with. And we have mm. a lot more control over how it's set up. I thought about this when I was listening to the Accidental Tech podcast and John Syracuse told a story of something that happened in his uh, work job where he worked for a company that had build, been building a product for a very long time, a software product. Mm. And uh, he was one of the people in line to approve major changes to things. And some new developer had found a library that would help them with their access to AWS services. And so they submitted it and everybody else checked it off. John looked at it and he, and he actually dug into the library and it had 30,000 files in it. Their entire file structure for this decade long application had like, I don't know, it was like 100,000. So it's like, you're going to increase our code base by a third just because you need to talk to AWS. And the person who created the library didn't do anything malicious. It was just sort of like a you know, big dump of everything they could possibly touch. They didn't need this library. And what I thought of was, what if I'm dumb and I go in or I, I'm uneducated and I go and I go, hey, there's a cool library and I go get it. And I don't look at it to see how much is in it. It's a good idea, right? Absolutely. It's a good idea. Um, one of the things NPM will show you on the NPM website is the dependencies of your package you're interested in. And a lot of packages will very proudly say no dependencies. Mm. So our little type checking library is very proudly a no dependency. Mustache is a no dependency. That's why it's kind of small. But then you have sort of the opposite end where some, some person just on a weekend throws something together. And generally speaking, if you're throwing something together, you're inventing as few wheels as possible. So if you look at the NPM dependencies, it'll just be like this massive big list. It's like, well, mm. I could do something quick and dirty myself. So I'm probably better off doing it myself than taking someone else's quick and dirty. Okay. But at the same time, we're building this webpack where we're going to put in a whole bunch of de dependencies into our code, right? Right. So because dependencies you... isn't a bad thing. No, it, it's a bit like WordPress plugins. They're amazing, but use with care. Okay. Okay. I'm in fact, sure it's how, very how much judge. like that. It's okay. Well, how you judge is experience to some extent. As long as you're only playing around, so what if you're like, oh no, my app is running, you know, one millisecond instead of two milliseconds, or two milliseconds instead of one millisecond? It's 
You know, unless it's a problem, it's not a problem. And when you get bit, you'll remember. You know, let's steer clear of that next time. That, that's how it works. Well, I'm going to tuck that John Syracuse story right there in the back of my brain to yeah. think about when I when I go looking at libraries that are not the the main ones, like like jQuery. I'm not going to go count the files in jQuery. It's going I'm to be big because them. jQuery does a lot of work. That's like a value right. for size. Yeah, yeah. A library that but does a lot you... is allowed to have a lot of code. A library that does very little shouldn't. But if you need something that like turns a spinner on the screen, you probably want that to be small. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The functionality should match the file size. I was kind of proud of myself for that connection back to what we were doing, though. I thought it's, was... it's very related. It's absolutely related. It's one of the, it's a real, it's it's a thing in software development and always will be. And it doesn't really matter what language you use. That's the thing, right? We're learning principles here, right? All these principles yeah. exist yeah. across all the different languages. And if you go back 20 years, the same arguments will be going up, just about different languages and different mechanisms. Right, right. But the same concepts are still the same problems. Ultimately, it still comes down to do I reinvent the wheel or do I steal someone else's wheel? And what is the cost of that steal? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and it's it always comes down to that. It's always a judgment call. Anyway, okay, many so months ago. We finished part one of Webpack. Can you bring us up to speed and kind of shake those uh, memory modules loose in my brain? Yes. So the idea was we had ourselves a very basic web app. Uh, that It had... Um, what did it have? It had a little bit of jQuery, a little bit of Bootstrap, and a little bit of our own code. And we used Webpack to take our dependencies and bundle them together. And we got ourselves a working little web app that was using jQuery and uh, Bootstrap via uh, in a bundle. So it was basically coming in as one nice simple file. And what I want to do is continue that topic but expand um, what we're bundling to be more realistic. So we're going to expand it to include other things that we have come to like in this series, like uh, Luxon, which is a replacement for Moment.js, um, Bootstrap Icons, which is a, a replacement effect, yeah, an alternative, shall we say, to um, Font Awesome, which I think is what we used earlier in the series. Um, oh. but, it's, but it's from the Bootstrap people, and it's it's way more efficient. Um, Font Awesome. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Font Awesome's licensing model has always been a hybrid of open. It's it's a freemium product, and the free tier used to be easy to use, and it isn't anymore. Okay. Uh, so I actually have a paid license for Font Awesome, and I use my commercial version for my own stuff. But here in this series, the free version is a bad fit. Whereas Bootstrap have gone into the icon business with uh, Bootstrap icons, and they're really easy to use. So they're a really good okay. fit. So we'll use oh, those. That's fun. So you're gonna you're gonna sneak in some other teaching on us, aren't you? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's literally no new principle here. It's just instead of getting our icons from this people, we're getting our icons from these people instead. Okay, it's exact the same model, um, which is okay. great. Uh, and then also another popular thing to want to do is to have a fancy font. It's amazing the difference a fancy font can make to a page. <laughs> so we're going to use a web font from an amazing site I recently discovered called Font Source. It makes it very, very easy to bundle a font into your well, basically webpack friendly font. So th this is interesting. Normally there's web safe fonts and you just sort of pick from this list of boring fonts. If we bundle it in, we can pick new fonts. Correct. So the okay. old way would depended on what font could I assume would be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, whereas with web fonts, the font is effectively a file sitting on the web and you tell your CSS the URL to go get the font from. Uh, and so Google fonts. Yeah. I've, I've, yes. So Google fonts works that way. Uh, but of course, with the Webpack world, we don't want to have a new dependency, which is something sitting on the internet. We want our stuff bundled so that we can go on a plane and continue to work. So font source allows us to easily bundle Google fonts and other fonts. Well, especially if it's a... Oh, okay. So you might still be pointing at a, at a file on the web? Well, no, you'll point at font source, but font source will have gotten it from anywhere that gives open source fonts. So the okay, Google so fonts it'll, are free. It'll continue to exist whether Google fonts disappeared or not? Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay, cool. But if they go away, well, you'll still not have motivated. it because NPM never deletes anything. <laughs> okay. No, they don't. It's a policy. Um, oh. Because that way you continue to be able to build old projects. Oh, okay. Hmm. So it's very intentional. Which means that if you make, if you publish something silly, it'll be there forever and people will know that you made silly typos. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to basically start where we left off and just bundle more. And the idea being that when this dummy project is finished, it's still going to look like a toy because it is a toy app, but it will have bundled at least one of everything. Therefore, it's a very useful example dummy app. And then okay. you can use it to actually do other things. So if you would like to play along, there is a folder called PBS139A-Starting Point. And so that's going to be where we left off, only I've changed the eights to nines, is basically what's happened there. <laughs> okay. If you just want to see the finished results, so you want to listen to what we say, but jump straight ahead to the finished product, you will find that in PBS139A. So 139A is what we are building towards. You can either jump ahead of the class and just go view that folder, or you can come on the journey with us by starting in starting point. And then as we walk through the show notes, we're going to edit the stuff in starting point. And at the end, it will be identical to PBS 139A. Okay. Regardless of which one you want to play in. So we're still in the world where we're using the node package manager. So that means that we go into the folder and we say npmci for clean install, which means it will read our package.json file and install on your computer identically the same versions of all of the dependencies as were on my computer when I did the show notes. Okay. Uh, and then you're going to do an npm run build, which is going to actually use Webpack to translate the source folder into a docs folder. And in that docs folder, you will find index.html, which is the web app. So in starting point, it will look exactly like where we left off. And in the other one, it'll have like a fancy font and stuff. Because okay. that's where we're going. Great. Now, I, unfortunately, I didn't I didn't do the, the reading ahead of time like I promised I would start doing because it goes much smoother if I do. But I got this far. Wait, great. So from here on, it's going to be anarchy after this. I was going to say, my, my scroll bar is still awfully close to the top. But anyway, we shall continue. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to bring Mustache into play here because Mustache templates is something we love. It's how we do our front ends. And we would like to do Mustache in a Webpack-friendly way. So the very first thing we need to do is actually install Mustache. So npm space install space minus minus save Mustache. We'll pull Mustache into our node project. I should say what we're trying to achieve, really, shouldn't I? So the technology we're going to use is Mustache. But what are we trying to do? So you'll notice in our starting point, we have an alert, which is this big blue thing sitting at the top of the screen saying page loaded at and then some time and or some date. 
And that's just a bootstrap alert to prove that bootstrap is working. But of course, Fancy Pants Bootstrap has JavaScript as well as CSS. And Fancy Pants Bootstrap can do things like make alerts dismissible by giving them a close button. And when you click on the close button, the alert actually goes away, which involves a some more complicated markup. And so it would be really nice if you could make the alert with a mustache template so that it's easier to write the source instead of trying to write a complex alert using jQuery statements. That You know the way, you know, dollar dot whatever dot add class dot whatever. It gets very messy very quickly. So we'd like to just write nice, clean HTML for the content of our alert. And we need the JavaScript to work. So we need to learn how to package the Bootstrap JavaScript, and we want to get mustache templates working. So that's that's our problem to be solved, so that, that alert becomes dismissible. Okay, so the, the Bootstrap uh, alerts, uh, the Bootstrap 5 and mustache, that's all going together here. Yeah. We've already installed Bootstrap 5, right? Or no? We last in the previous installment, we took the CSS part of Bootstrap. So you know that Bootstrap's oh. at its most basic level, Bootstrap is just CSS, but the fancy features have an optional JavaScript component. So I we went halfway last time. We took the CSS. We did not take the JavaScript. Okay. That involves a little bit more work, which we're going to get okay. to. So this is a very simplified example. We're going to have a grand total of one mustache template. <clears throat> but of course, any real project, you're going to have lots of mustache templates. So I'm going to pretend we will have lots. So I'm going to do this solution as if it was one of many. So I'm not going to hard code it for a single file. I'm going to say, I want you, Mr. Webpack, to be able to deal with all of these mustache templates. Okay. There's going to be one, but you know the code will work for lots of them. So to make that easy to do, we're going to give our templates a file extension .mustache. Um, and I like to, in my templates, I like to have two file extensions always. One extension to tell me what it is being templated, and then one extension to tell me what templating language is in use. What do you mean by extension? Uh, file extension. File extension. Right, okay. so when I'm looking at my source code, like mustache can do anything, right? So you could have mustache making text files. You could have mustache making XML files. You could have mustache making whatever. So what I really want to know is what's mustache making and that it is mustache. So I'm going to use .html.mustache. Okay, the file has to be .mustache, but you're, no. you're throwing a .html in the middle of it? Okay. The file has to have an extension that we are going to put into our Webpack config. It could be Waffles. Okay. But I, I am using a sensible name, .mustache. And then because this is something I always do when I'm working with templating languages, if I tell you that this was built using Lego, it doesn't tell you what it is. It just tells you it was built using Lego. So that's why I say .html.mustache. It's an HTML page built with mustache. Okay. Okay. I think I'm following you. Right. Because mustache could build text files. Mustache could build XML files, in which case right, I would right. say .txt.mustache, okay. .xml.mustache. Okay. Um, because we're pretending there's going to be hundreds of these files, I'm going to put them in a folder. So I'm going to make a folder inside my SRC folder called templates, where I'm going to fill all of the one template. Okay. And I'm going to give it the very sensible name, alert.html.mustache. Because it is All going right. to be our alert. It is in HTML and it is generated with mustache. 
So the grand total of the code is basically a paragraph that has the appropriate markup. And we have two mustaches in here. One one basically that's going to have a one that has a placeholder named the local time and one that has a placeholder named local date. So when we're running our template, we're going to provide it a time and a date. And other than that, it is basically an alert with a dismiss button. So this is creating the, the local time and local date that's going to be part of the... Well, they are the placeholders, alert. right? A template is like a mail merge. Right, right. But I'm trying to remember what the placeholder is, what this HTML file is going to be. It is going to be that bootstrap alert that at the moment is that blue square. Okay, it is going to be the entire thing. So, okay, so that's why local time and local date, It's we're going to have to feed it that. Got you. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, feed it's a good word. Yeah. Okay. So what we've basically done to the to the code is we've added alert dash this alert dash ugh, that's really hard to say alert dash dismissible uh, right so that if you read the documentation on Bootstrap five about how you make an alert dismissible you have to give it the class alert dash dismissible and then you have to add a button and you have to give that button um, the uh, attribute data dash bs dash dismiss and tell it you would like it to dismiss the nearest alert. So that button is inside the alert, and you're telling Bootstrap's oh. dismiss plugin that you would like it to target the nearest alert. That's oh, okay. actually what you're doing there. Okay. So it's a data attribute, right? Data I love dash how BS. human readable that he's not reading it all out loud to you, but the HTML is super readable. You look at it and you go, oh, yeah, 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 got it. Yeah. Whereas it would not be the case if I was writing that as $makeap.addClass dot insert you know dot content and all that it would just be a mess if i was doing that as lots of i can eventually statements. read those two but i can't create them with any reliability <sighs> whatsoever <laughs> it, it's it's a lot of work templates are easier templates are so mm -hmm. much easier okay so we we now have our uh template and if we remember back to mustache the way mustache works is we call the mustache dot render function which takes as its input the um, the template and the variables, and it gives us as output a new string, which is you know the the input with the placeholders mail merged for want of a better term. <laughs> right, right. So we now need to get mustache into our uh, code. Now, the way we learned to do uh, the input to mustache templates previously was a the least icky hack. I went to great detail at the time to tell you that none of these solutions were good. But what we did was we made script tags with a type of text slash HTML, and we gave them an ID, and then we used jQuery to pull out the content of those script tags and use that as the input to our mustaches. It was horrible. You'll find it all in PBS episode 73 if you'd like to remember we're not going to do that. We're going to load it straight from that second file because Webpack is actually going to load it for us. We're not going to load it ourselves. We're going to have Ooh, Webpack. You're giving us motivation to Webpack things that we don't even need to Webpack. Correct, because it's going to make it easier. So I, web I, Again, I was able to replicate that, but I had to sit down and drag it into three separate piles, name them exactly what you named them, look at it, look at your show notes, go back to mine, go back to yours, go back to mine, go back to yours, and eventually I could get it to work. But I never could hold it in my head, all those connections. So Webpack has a feature designed for loading content that you want to access from JavaScript. 
and it calls these things asset modules. So we're going to load our templates as assets because they are. Okay. Okay. So we need to update our Webpack config. So you'll find the correct, the completed Webpack config in PBS 139A-2, which probably means that you should have copied something from dash one at some stage earlier. Hmm. Uh, or did I... No, I know there's nothing in dash one. There's nothing in dash one. That's well, there's sorry. No, there's a source folder with index.js in it. Source folder with index.js in it. Did I need that? Probably. Oh, this has been so long since I wrote. I wrote these show notes, by the way, the same time we recorded last. So that at the time created this beautiful flow between the two. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I may have um, to. There may be. There may be some corrections posted to these shows. So notes I don't see. Uh, let's see. I do have Hang an index.js. I do have one. No, Should I just copy the, the dash one? If there's no index.js, no, there, there is an index.js in the source folder for both the starting point and dash one. Yeah, but uh, I. But which one's the right one? I was going to say, what did I put in index.js dash one? It loads looks on, it loads all sorts of stuff. That looks like it's doing way more than we've we haven't gotten to looks on yet, have we? No. Uh... No, let's let's follow the show notes. Let's believe the show notes. I may, I'm gonna have to tweak these a little bit so that they make more sense. Um, okay. But let's let's follow the show notes and hope to goodness they work. <laughs> okay, so at this point the show notes are gonna tell me to move Something from PBS uh, 139A-2, correct? So what we need to take from 139A-2 are, at the moment, we have said in the text that you should have the folder called templates with alert.html.mustache. So you definitely want to take that. I did. That's as far as we've gotten in the description. And now we're saying in the show notes that you should take webpack.config.js. Okay. That's easy enough. And that goes, yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Now, what do we actually change in webpack.config.js is obviously the next sensible question. So what we had to do is we had to tell it that we would like it to treat everything in our templates folder. So we would like it to to treat everything that ends in .mustache as an asset. So we're just going to simply say, so that's where you'll see there's a new section in there uh, which defines test colon slash dot mustache dollar, which basically means ends in dot mustache. And then we Let's say... Let's back out a little bit, Bart. So uh, in the webpack.config.js, there's a module section that has rules. And yes. prior to this, we had rules for CSS. We have now... there's Now there's a new section under rules under module, uh, and that is the uh, test. Uh, test uh, a couple of key value pairs. Now tell us what those are. Yes. So the test is, does it end in mustache? Sorry, does okay. it end in dot mustache? So in other words, is it a mustache file? And then if you look at the example above, we're saying that if you find a CSS file, run it through these two plugins, style loader and CSS loader. In this oh, case, yeah, yeah. we're not saying to run it through a plugin. We're telling it, treat this as an asset. And specifically- okay, so we aren't changing an extension. We aren't adding any data into that file. We're just saying when you find a, dot, a file ending in dot mustache, that is going to be an asset slash source. Yes, and source means give it to me unchanged. Okay. Why so there are change? other types of asset, which you can read about oh. in the docs if you'd like, but the, a, a source asset is basically, I just want this to become available to me in JavaScript without okay. me having to do any work. 
okay. and have you, Mr. Webpack, take care of it. So got what it. you're doing... Sorry. No, I said got it. <laughs> Excellent. So how do you use an asset? Right. I've just told you, you could just get it as a string in JavaScript. Okay, Bart, how do I get it as a string in JavaScript? And the answer is you can just use the import statement. Or rather, you can use the import function, not the import statement. My humble apologies. So there is a function called import, which does something slightly different to the import statement. The import function works at execution time instead of it. It doesn't matter. Basically, on, we say... Where, where are we doing this import function? In what file and where? We're going to be in... Okay. Anywhere, hypothetically, anytime we want any asset in any JavaScript, we just say name of variable becomes equal to import and then the path to the file we want to import. In this case, we would like our template string inside our index.js. Would like it in... I'm, I'm lost. What file are we in? Okay, well, at the moment, I'm kind of describing it in the general sense of how do you use an asset? You use an asset with the import function. Okay. So I've said that an asset allows you to take a file and load it into your JavaScript as a string. How do you load it into your JavaScript as a string? The answer is you say import, and then you pass it the path. Okay, so in the, in the very simplified version, you said constant, I've got a string, and it's going to be equal to import, and inside the parentheses is the path to this mustache file we created. Right, only no. in this case it isn't. This is entirely generic. Oh. My template string becomes equal to templates forward slash my template dot type dot mustache. This is of the form. Right. This is not. Form. This is not the one we're actually using in this example. Correct. I'm being entirely okay. generic. This is how you do it in the abstract. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So the place we want to do it is in our index.js. Right. That is where we want to actually start to use mustache. So you right. will find the updated index.js in PBS 139A-2, and in that file you will find, the first change you will find is at the very top of the file, we are now going to import mustache because we already installed it. Now we need to import it. So import mustache from mustache. That's our syntax. Hang on, hang on. I'm opening this up, uh, opening up the index.js. You're saying we've we've changed this now? Yes. Okay. So that's why there's a new one in 2 for SRC. So we have... Uh -huh. And the change we made, the the two changes we've made is that we are importing the mustache, mustache from mustache, and we're also importing alert TPL from alert.html.mustache. Okay, so I'm going to say it's slower for everybody because that was really fast. <laughs> um, import mustache from mustache. That's you're saying we've got this library mustache that we imported. We're saying we're going to name it mustache. You've made it a cop a capital M. Is that important? Oh no, it was named capital M in the library. Yes. So yeah, we're used there. to using it that way. So I yeah. I could name it Waffles, but that would confuse everything greatly. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then you're saying import alert TPL, uh, which is your name for this this alert template we're creating, and mm -hmm. that's and you're pulling that from this alert.html.mustache that we created earlier. Yes. And that only works okay. because we added the rule that tells Webpack what to do with .mustache files. Okay, interesting. So that that rule. So normally, if you just take if you just take Webpack and you don't configure it, and you tell it, "I would like to import something that ends in mustache," Webpack will go, "What are you talking about?" Oh, 
But you're telling it, if you you see this weird file extension, do this. Okay. And again, that could be dot waffles. It could be dot waffles, right? The point of the rule is you're telling it, I want you to treat these files in this way. Okay. So with, with that done, we can then update our document ready function inside index.js to use mustache instead of all of these dollar sign, blah, 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 blah things. So we're basically going to do a mustache.render is, is, is the key point here, right? Okay. Okay. But we can use it now because we imported the template, we imported the library, and we told the uh, JSON config file to go look for, uh, or to be able to understand what to do with mustache files. Make them, That's make it. Them da- make them uh, shoot something slash source. Source assets. Assets source slash assets. source. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so if, with all of that done, so there's three files have changed. So it's index.js has changed. We have our new alert.html.mustache uh, and we have our updated webpack.config.js. If you copy all of those three into your starting point folder you're working in, mm-hmm. then you can do an npm run build and you should now have a dismissible, nice, pretty. Well, no, you have an alert that looks dismissible. We have we have figured oh, out. Oh, we have, but we haven't optics. written the JavaScript to close it. Correct, or rather, okay. we haven't allowed Bootstrap JavaScript. We haven't imported Bootstrap's optional JavaScript features. Oh, so, right, right, because we only imported the CSS last time. Exactly. So if we look at the top of index.js, you will see there's an import for the Bootstrap CSS, but there's no import for Bootstrap JavaScript. Well, I want to import Bootstrap Bootstrap for JavaScript. Yes. Now, this is an excuse for me to teach you a little bit of Bootstrap 5 because this is a change. Mm. So in Bootstrap 4, you pretty much took all the JavaScript. You could go out of your way to break it into pieces and only take the JavaScript you needed, but that was you doing it the hard way. In Bootstrap 5... I'm sorry, can you say that again? Okay. So Bootstrap has lots of JavaScript functionality. So it has alerts, it has carousels, it it has lots and lots of different features available. And in Bootstrap 4, by default, you got all the JavaScript, which goes back to your example at the start of the show, Mm. right? You got a lot of code. Now, are you likely to need all of Bootstrap's features on any one website? Mm, No. (laughs) Like, unless your website is a Bootstrap demo, No. (laughs) Okay. So in Bootstrap 4, you could do some extra work to break it apart. And there were documentation on that, but that was considered an advanced feature. And if you just went to the quick start page, what you got was the give me all the JavaScript version. So that's what we've been doing up until now. We have been, when we did Bootstrap 4, we just took all the JavaScript. Bootstrap 5 has inverted the logic. If you really would like it all, There is a mechanism to do so, but you need to go scrolling far into the documentation to find that mechanism, and they don't really push it. In fact, they do the opposite of push it. They sort of like, this is not a good idea. Don't do this in production. This is a quick and dirty hack. They're, They're quite, they're not subtle about it. Okay. But should you wish to, you can say import star as BS from Bootstrap. And then the BS variable will contain all of the bootstrap code as individual, as lots and lots of individual classes. 
but that's not what they want you to do. They want so you to are we name... have to pick and choose and know, know what we want to go get. Yes. They want you okay. to name the imports as you pull them in. So you only pull in what you huh. want. So we are going to pull in. Okay. Sorry. We're not going, we're only going to pull in one thing, but to show you how to pull in multiple as an example in the show notes, if you wanted both alerts and toasts, you would say import open curly bracket alert comma toast closed curly bracket from bootstrap. That's beautiful. You're right. Absolutely. In our case, okay. we only want one. We only want alert. Okay. So for us, it's just going to be import alert from Bootstrap, which is even easier. And the other big change with Bootstrap 5 versus Bootstrap 4 is that Bootstrap 5 does not use jQuery. Bootstrap 5 uses raw native DOM, which also means that you're using classes. So Bootstrap 5 is classes. So you say new alert, and then you pass it as an argument, the DOM element you want to turn into an alert. So when you say they're using raw DOM, you mean raw JavaScript? Native JavaScript not given superpowers by jQuery. Okay. So jQuery is a wrapper around the DOM to make right. the DOM nicer. Okay. Now, since jQuery was invented, the DOM has become nicer. So there are people, some of them in our community, who believe that jQuery is now useless. I am not one of those people because when I see DOM code, it takes up at least twice as many characters as uh, <laughs> as jQuery. I like code. that dollar. <laughs> the dollar, yeah, exactly. Get so, element by ID, all that. Exactly. Now, for us, we need to, with Bootstrap 4, it was written in jQuery. So those of us in jQuery land just use Bootstrap without thinking about it. But Bootstrap 5 is not jQuery land. So we just have to remember, we have to unpeel our jQuery objects. Hmm. and. I've said this a few times, but it's it's counterintuitive, so I'm going to say it again. It's also been a while. So a jQuery object pretends to be an array. It's way more than an array. It's like 20 million things more than an array, but it pretends to be an array. And the elements in the array it pretends to be are the DOM objects. So if you have a jQuery object that represents five paragraphs, they will be in square bracket zero, square bracket one, square bracket two, square bracket three, and square bracket four. Huh. Boy, I sure don't remember that. I bet you did tell us, though. Yeah, and it was counterintuitive then, and it made your head hurt, and it will make your head hurt this time, and it will probably make your head hurt a few more times. The thing is, the more Bootstrap 5 you use, the less this is going to become an issue, because this will just become second nature to you. Okay. So basically... A jQuery object represents one or more DOM objects. You get the raw DOM objects by treating it as an array. So if you want the first one, it's zero. The second one is one, like any other array. Okay. So, okay. So now that that's all just background. So now let's go look at our index.js file. So in uh, dash three, you're going to find a new copy of index.js that has the shiny new code. So the first thing that we've changed in that file is that we now import the alert class from Bootstrap, which we do by saying import open curly alert close curly from Bootstrap. So now we have access to the Bootstrap alert class. So mm -hmm. now we need to use it. So we're building our alert using, um, using Mustache, just like we were before. But what's changed here 
is that now I'm being really explicit in this code to make it as obvious as possible what I'm doing. So the first thing I've done is we've made our alert in the usual way. We're saying const dollar alert equals you know the the HTML. So we're building a jQuery object called dollar alert, and then we're building another object called alert dom, which is dollar zero. That's a typo. Dollar alert zero. I bet you the code in the thing doesn't say dollar zero. It just says dollar alert zero because otherwise it wouldn't work. Not sure where you are, so I can't confirm or deny. Yeah, I know the code works, so therefore I know it has that typo removed. I obviously fixed the typo after I copied and pasted the show notes. I have now fixed the show notes. Okay. I'm not sure which line you are on. So you started says, kind of in the middle of a paragraph of code there, so... It's the one that starts color... Color? Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> Const alert dom becomes equal to. Okay. And we're saying take the jQuery object and take the first DOM element from it. Okay. So I'm, re I'm being really explicit is... with my variable names, right? I'm just, I'm being like super, super explicit with my variable names to make it really obvious which is a jQuery object and which is a DOM object. But I have no idea what you're doing. I don't know what this is. What is it? Okay. So const alert HTML is a string that contains our alert, which we have made using mustache. Okay, that's over in that mustache or html.mustache file. Okay, yes, but we have turned we have run it through the mail merge to get an actual piece of text which doesn't have placeholders, it has actual values in it. So const alert html is the finished string. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm looking at it now. So const alert html is the mustache.render with the template and the view. Correct. Okay. So now we have some html it's sitting in no man's land. It's just HTML. It's just a string. So we're used to turning that string into a jQuery object and then appending that jQuery object into our document somewhere. Yes? Right. Right. So we still want to do that. So const dollar alert becomes equal to dollar alert HTML. So okay. we're just making a jQuery object out of that HTML. Got it. Now, we also need the DOM object to do the bootstrap stuff. So we're making a second variable that is going to be the unwrapped DOM object. So const alert DOM becomes equal to dollar alert zero. Okay. That's uh, so what I do see is dollar square bracket zero in, in uh, index.js that I took from PBS 139A dot. Definitely yes, used to say dollar alert zero. That's interesting. That's a typo that didn't get fixed because I I know for a fact that late that, that is fixed later on because otherwise it wouldn't work. Okay, so I don't know what that step means. You're saying go get something out of an array somewhere, but I don't know how it knows. No. How do we know it's zero? Okay, so remember what I said is that jQuery objects are wrappers around DOM objects. Mm-hmm. And that jQuery pretends to be an array so that you can get at the DOM objects if you like. Right. So dollar alert is a wrapper around one DOM object. So what is the first element in an array? How, how do I know it's the first to go get the first one? And I don't know what the first one is okay. going to be. No, no, you do. You made it. Dollar alert becomes equal to dollar the HTML. You know there is exactly one thing in there because you gave it the HTML you want in there. You made it. Ah, if there weren't a typo, that would make sense. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm going to change it in the code because I can't see it without it doing that. Okay, so we just made dollar alert. Now we're talking to dollar alert square bracket zero. Correct, and we're saving okay. it into a separate variable because otherwise we're just being super explicit. Okay. So now we have it in two forms. We have we have each dialect of the same thing. Okay. So to make our bootstrap alert be a bootstrap alert, we say new alert alert dom. That is how you tell Bootstrap to do its thing. What thing are we telling it to do? So you know the way that close button doesn't do anything? Yeah. Well, we're telling it to, to do something. Okay. We've we've got a lot of layers of abstraction here. So we import we imported alert from uh, Bootstrap. Mm -hmm. And then we created a an HTML alert. Mm-hmm. And then we made a jQuery object out of it. Then we made a variable which was talking to the first element in that silly array that the DOM likes. Correct. And then we and then we created a uh, an instance of a class called New Alert, and mm -hmm. used that DOM element zero. Yeah. So jQuery's JavaScript is the class Alert. And we are telling it, I want you to take this alert DOM and make it a bootstrap alert. Huh. So if you go to bootstrap I believe 5, you. Well, <laughs> that is the new way bootstrap 5 works. If you want to make something an alert, you say new alert and you give it the DOM object. If you want to make a new toast, you say new toast and you give it the DOM object. Okay. And so that's saying new alert, we're saying go go do your JavaScript magic on this thing and make it into a, a real alert, a bootstrap alert. Yeah, make it do the bootstrap magic. Apply bootstrap okay. magic here. Okay. So now we're ready to do what we're used to doing, which is to shove our new bit of HTML into the actual object. So dollar dot container. So we're going to find the HTML element with the class container and prepend our alert. No, it was just shoving it into the document. Okay. All right. So now we should build again. So now we should run an npm run build again. And I should be able to refresh that same screen, that same it HTML. Should. And now when I press the button, it should go away. And it does. Phew. I have never been so relieved because we're playing without a net here. <laughs> we haven't tested. I wrote these okay. four weeks ago and we haven't tested them. This is great. Okay. So I am making a little note for you to change it to dollar alert zero. I've already done it and hit save. I just haven't pushed. No, 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 no. But you didn't do it in the index.js. You ah. did it in the show notes and it's not in and that was in three dash three. Okay. Then thank you for the note. Okay. All right. Okay. So at this stage. Absolutely. So at the teamwork today for sure. So at this stage, we have a very pretty, well, no, we don't have very pretty. We have a very functional alert, but I want to make it very pretty. And that's, I always use icons. Icons bring a web app to life like you wouldn't believe. You don't need fancy graphics, just a couple of icons and the thing just comes to life. It looks so much more cared for and so much more human friendly. It's amazing. I really and, should, I really should start to own that. I see you do it, and I always look and go, "Oh, look! It's got a poop emoji in it, or whatever. It's got an icon that that does make it more warm and approachable." I think it does, and also makes it clearer. What does this button do? What is this text field for? 
It's mm-hmm. amazing how much of like just an at symbol next to an input. It's like, oh, there's a wrong email address goes. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's just amazing how our brains love pictures. Anyway, I'd like you to become friends with icons.getbootstrap.com. So if you go there, you'll see it has a beautiful, fully free library of icons for your use. Lots of pretty icons. Okay. And if you click on any one of those icons, it will take you to the page for the icon. And it will show you, just like you're used to with Font Awesome, that you stick them into your page by saying I class equals, and then it gives you the magic incantation. And then that I tag becomes the icon. Assuming you've loaded the appropriate CSS to make that actually happen, of course. Okay, you keep going with the lesson. I'm just going to be playing in these icons here. They're pretty, aren't they? Android (laughs) 1. Yeah, and there's loads of them. There's also a search box, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, so okay, that you just told me to open that. I'm distracted, Bart. <laughs> right. But just think about how useful this is. Anyway, so I love bootstrap icons. There we go. So we are living in a Webpack world. So we start by installing it from NPM. It is NPM space install minus minus save bootstrap dash icons. Okie dokie. You will find in the folder dash four, there is a new version of webpack.config.js because we now have to teach Webpack how to deal with a web font. Ah. Because that's how these things are done under the hood. They're all web fonts. Okay. So even though it's a, these are glyph icons, yeah, fonts? Like Wingdings was a font full of icons. That's how these icons are all oh, done. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. So we need to, again, we're adding another test and telling it to do another thing with everything that matches those file extensions, right? That, that is very much Webpack sauce here. Everything with these file extensions do this. So the extra test is looking for the file extensions used for web fonts, which are WAF, WAF2, EOT, TTF, and OTF. Oh, that's why this looks like complete and utter gibberish in my in my text editor. Uh, yeah, so because, it's a regular... because pipes, this is he's got a bunch of ors and he's got a regular expression saying look for WAF or WAF2 or EOT, but it's but in the in the show notes in one of my tools, it's very obvious that's a pipe, but it's all run together and looks like L's. So I see waffle 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 to a la waff. That sounds really pronounceable. Cat cat walked on your keyboard, Bart. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a bunch of file extensions. <laughs> okay. So our test is if you find any of these file extensions that are associated with fonts, then we want you to treat those as assets and what kind of assets? These are inline assets. Okay. Now, inline assets are... So do you remember data URLs where you could take an image and basically turn it into data colon slash slash and then a whole bunch of hexadecimal glop? Sure. <laughs> under the hood... And you're not going to see it because it's in a CSS file written. It's basically the CSS file from the Bootstrap icons is going to have its content entirely changed by Webpack so that every time it references a file, that's going to be replaced with the data URL. But that's all completely inside the bundler. Hmm. And they're going to get shoved into bundle.js as all of these data URLs. Hmm. So instead of our source, instead of our docs folder filling up with lots of WAF files, we're just going to have bundle.js and it's going to contain the web font embedded inside it as a bunch of data URLs. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because I did it without doing these as inline assets. And you know something? There was a lot of files and it made me cranky. <laughs> so we'll just be calling the font not specifically the at symbol. Or... Well, okay. So in order to make it work, we need to import the CSS. And that CSS references a web font. So as far as we, we the programmer, don't have to worry about any of this implementation detail. We, the users okay. of Webpack, do need to know what it is. It's a bit like a house mover. You can't just tell them, here's a box, and don't tell them it's fragile. You know, We, as the Webpackers, need to be a little bit conscious of what's inside the things we're bundling. Okay. So we just need to teach Webpack how it should treat these web font files. But we, the programmer, don't need to know about them. We have two hats now. We have the... <laughs> anyway. So that's what's that's the only thing that's changed in the new version of webpack.config.js. It's just that um, the what do I do with these file extensions? So there is also inside dash four an updated version of index.js, and what you will find at the top of that is an import statement to go and fetch the Bootstrap uh, icons CSS file. So import bootstrap dash icon slash font slash bootstrap dash icons dot CSS. So we want to pull in, you're saying index.js from uh, dash The four. dash four folder has the updated, yeah. And the only thing that's changed in there is that import file. Sorry, that import so, statement. So uh, that that typo we think is a typo may not be because you don't have uh, dollar alert zero in this one either. Oh, it, I'm almost certain it is a typo. Then I need to fix two. Okay, I'm going to go find out if it works, though. I'm gonna... Okay, well, don't fix it, but if it breaks, that'll be why. Yeah, I'm going to try uh, NPM build right now just after pulling that in. Hopefully, uh, let's see if that works. I hope. It... This sounds weird, it works. I hope that breaks. How does it, it works. Work? <laughs> oh. Ah, I know what that's doing. Ooh, that's so the wrong thing to do. What that's doing okay. is that is applying the alert class to the entire DOM because dollar oh. goes and fetches body. <laughs> That's now, a bad typo, Bart. It's inefficient. <laughs> oh, okay. Possibly dangerous? No. In fact, if there was if another... Had, if, if there, there were another, another five or six alerts, we'd get them all in one go instead of calling the function multiple times. So it could argue, it could hypothetically be efficient, but really, it's like a sledgehammer to kill a gnat. Okay. <laughs> but it does work, yeah. Yeah, it does, okay. because we're saying take the whole document and run it through Bootstrap Alert plugin. And that's mm -hmm. why you didn't find it in your testing. Okay. That's why I didn't find it in my testing, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, I, I have fixed it there. So. Okay, good. Okay, so we're, okay, so we have the import statement. So now that CSS is available to us because we've just imported into our bundle. So to use our little font icons, we go to that web page I sent you to where you got all distracted. We find an icon we like and we copy and paste the i tag. So I'm going to update my alert.html.mustache so that it... Um, I see another typo in the show notes. Actually, alert.html.mustache. Well, I'm fixing that right now. So you can bring in that updated mustache file. And the only thing that's changed is I put a nice little shiny icon at the start of the alert. Oh, okay. All right. I'm assuming it's going to be a, a nice info sign. Oh, okay. So I need to NPM build again. Yep. Right. Always. Okay. 
And then when you refresh the page. Oh, look, there's a little I button. Exactly. So then our final piece of the puzzle here is to give our little dumb web app a bit of character by giving it a custom font. Like if, if an icon makes things a little bit prettier, a font you really like, or it's not a font you really like, a font that's really appropriate to the tone you're trying to set mm. is very okay. powerful. Like just one good font can change the whole feel, the whole tone. So if you're going for something fun and playful, don't go for Comic Sans, but something like Comic Sans, only that doesn't <laughs> suck. Right. If you're going for formal... We all went to Comic Sans uh, as soon as you said that. Though. Of course we did. If you're looking for something a little bit more formal, you're obviously going to be looking at maybe Gill or one of those very austere fonts. I mean, yeah, but you know what I mean, right? Something that matches the tone you're trying to set. Now, I did a lot of digging around about the easiest way to web pack a font. And I found this amazing resource called fontsource.org. And they're an open source project who bundle web who bundle free web fonts into NPM modules. Oh. And when they're in NPM, then we can pull them into Webpack. Okay, here's a dumb question. Can I take my uh if, if people listen to the NoSilicast, they would know that I created a font of my own that is my handwriting. And uh, if I put it somewhere on the web and said it was open source, could I then package it with NPM and then have my website be in that or something or a tool in that? Yeah, okay, so the answer is, with the appropriate skills, you absolutely could turn your font into an NPM package. I don't have those skills, but... A little bit of reading would get you those skills. Okay. But it is absolutely possible because that's what FontSource have done. They're not doing magic. They're just, you know, bundling the web font file. And I'm sure your file ends in .ott or one of those file extensions. Yeah, right. Which means it absolutely positively can, but it would be some work. That'd be fun. Okay. So, so FontSource's job is you're going to tell it a font that yes. you have found somewhere on the internet. You no, a, a URL? no, no. So font source have bundled fonts. So you need to find your fonts on font source. So if oh, you go to okay. font source okay. and go to font previews, then you can go and browse their massive array of fonts. There are, you can, oh, the scroll oh, bar is okay. tiny. Right? Okay. I thought you put a font in there and it converts it to an NPM package. No. Okay. No, they have gone and gathered around fonts. Now, everything that's in um, Google, Google fonts is in here and more. Oh. So okay. XO2 is a font that is very familiar to me. If I remember, oh yeah, uh, XO2 is one of the fonts you will recognize from uh, the Bartfisser logo. Okay. This is kind of weird that they didn't do the fonts in the font. So you have to click on all of them to see what they look like. I know. I know. That's a, that's kind of a giant miss. I think the idea is that you've... You know what font you want, and you go check if it's here, I think, is their thinking. Okay. Well, I just found a cool-looking one. <laughs> anyway, I found one I really like for the show notes called Architect's Daughter. I think it's a beautiful handwriting font. Okay. So, and it just, I don't know, I like the idea of, of it just, I don't know, it just appealed to me. So, if you go to the appropriate page, they will give you the import statement. So, on 
that happen to be on the XO2 page, they will you can just copy and paste the import at font source forward slash whatever. So for us, we're going to do an npm install minus minus save at font source forward slash architects dash daughter. Okay, they don't they have quick installation and they're not doing it with npm, but I believe you this. Will yeah, the yarn okay. add npm and just replace it with npm install. Okay. Yarn is a very similar tool to NPM. Um, okay. I guess they like Yarn. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So once that's done, you're going to find there's an updated version of index.js. And in there, in you're going which to... Which file? Uh, in dash, dash 5. Now? We're in dash 5. All righty. All right. And you will find the only thing that's changed is at the very top, it says import at font source slash architects dash daughter. Okay, catching up, catching up, uh, import. Okay, and that's in the config file? Uh, that's in index.js. No. Index.js, okay. Uh, because we've already done all of the work to tell it what to do with web fonts in the previous step to get our icons to work, we don't have to do it again because it already knows. Oh, oh right, 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 right. That makes sense. Exactly. So the only thing we now need to do is we now need to add some CSS to actually use our font. So the, in the we're going to open index.css, which is also, there's a new copy of it in uh, Dash 5. Okay. And we're just going to add a style that says H1 tags should get the font family architect's daughter oh, and fall okay. back to cursive. Cursive? What's cursive? So you, okay. So you're probably used to seeing comma sans or comma mono. So CSS yeah. defines a handful of generic fonts, which basically says to the operating system, whatever sans serif font you have, use that one, is what comma sans means. Or comma mono means whatever monospace font you have, and comma cursive means whatever cursive font you have available. So it's hmm. a way of saying architects.or, or if that doesn't work for some reason because the browser's too old to deal with web fonts, just give me whatever the heck cursive font the OS has. I didn't even know they had uh, cursive fonts. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then for the five millionth time, NPM run build. Mm -hmm. and oh, look how pretty that is. Isn't that a lovely font? It is a lot of fun. It's got the purple. It says, hello, jQuery world in purple. And we've got our little uh, our little font eye. Mm. And wait, wait, wait for it. I can dismiss it. Ta-da! This was this is such a good way to teach this part. I know I told you after part one, but I was really kind of trepidatious going into this one because it'd been so long and I hadn't read the show notes ahead of time. But what you're doing is you're just doing the same thing over and over again. In this context, do it again. In this context, do it again. Here's the here's the oddity of that, but we're doing the same thing again. And that that has really helped to cement this, I think. I because it wasn't terrifying. It worked. Well, good. And it did work. I'm, I'm kind of pleased. We went without a net and we're not splattered across the floor. This is good. <laughs> so we did find a typo in the show notes, which is one of those ones where it technically works, but it wasn't working the way I thought it was working. That happens a lot, by the way, in the real world. Oh, Something works, but for the wrong reason. And that will... It shouldn't. It shouldn't work. Oh, yeah. I, the, like the bug that scares me most with my real life hat on is when something I am convinced is broken works that scares that, the ever-loving bejesus enemy because it means i don't understand all the time is, safari is the is always the culprit for me 
when it's like, I know I broke it. Why is it still working? It's because Safari had cached it. And I open up Firefox oh, yeah. and I go, oh, yay, it's broken over here. Stupid so, Safari. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Um, there is a secret part three that's half written, which is an even scarier thing than a dummy app, a real world case. I took an actual website that is actually in production and web packed it. I'm using the past tense. I shouldn't be. I have it half working. <laughs> so is this a website of yours? It is. Uh, dish okay. This-time.me oh. is going to be web packed. And that is going to be oh, wow. our tidbit six next time, which is basically a worked example. And I knew I would find the, I knew there would be edge cases. So this is how you do web pack by the book. When there's nothing weird. Now, we all know the real world is full of something weird. Right. So I figured if I do a real website, that should shake loose a more realistic experience than in this fantasy world where everything is normal. It's this easy. And I have discovered, yep, absolutely, positively. It's actually been a really good experience and it's given me lots of little tidbits to put into show notes. And like I say, it's only 70% done at the moment. So as you're going through trying to do it, you're writing down, well, that didn't work the way I thought it was. It would. Well, basically, it's it, it, it's not that it didn't work the way I thought it would. It's like that there's a little bit more to it. I need okay. to tell Webpack more. I need to be more explicit. Okay. So, it no, it's going to be a very interesting... I, I wasn't sure... I, basically, one of two things was going to happen. I was going to translate the website. It was going to take me two minutes and there's going to be no content. Or I'd be at it for three or four days and there'd be lots of content. Well, it's definitely definitely heading towards the... I think I'm on day three. Plus, yeah. that's fun. If if you're wondering what uh, uh, this... Dash T-I, T-I dot dot M-E. M-E is, uh, go to PBS 100... And uh, remember, this was Bart's uh, solution to the uh, time travel app that uh, that we both wrote. Yeah, and basically, this is actually how I run all my podcasts. This is completely the reason I wanted. You know, like, the reason I think it's powerful to build a program is because you can scratch your own itch. This is completely me scratching my own itch. And uh, mine is the way I run mine. <laughs> right, exactly. And um, it, it's interesting how our different personalities have resulted in different apps. Yeah, it, it, I find value in both. Mine does things yours doesn't do, but when you only need what yours does, it's pretty cool. So I have it been does, using it more lately. It, I, I, it's it's my best Tim reporting impression. It does one thing and does it well, but it's all it does, right? So if you want something else, it's useless. <laughs> right, right. It's very good. But it, by the way, you say it this time, but yes. it's this dash ti dot me. I have trouble remembering that, so that's why I'm saying it out loud so other people can hear it. And if people are wondering why it's such an odd domain name, try find the generic domain for this time that isn't already taken. <laughs> you find a well, better right, one, Bart, way, you can gift it to me, but anyway. I see in your show notes, you suggest that if people have questions, where should they share them? Why, I do believe the best place to go is podfeet.com forward slash slack, which is full of cool people, really cool people. Yeah, a lot of the, the PBS channel is on fire there. There are lots of people willing to share answers, uh, more importantly, share answers, but also share questions. 
And just even cool stuff they find online about programming topics and interesting things to think about. It's lots of really good, fun stuff. And because the community is pretty vibrant in there, generally speaking, you know, I'm at a different time zone. But the time I get in there, it's like, oh, I have a question to answer. It's like, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> Somebody's already answered. That's your favorite part, right? <laughs> I love, I absolutely, I love that part. I come in and I read it and go, oh, that's a really good answer too. I learned something today. That was a go. lot. So, <laughs> yes. All right. This is great. And this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the worked example uh, with the edge cases. That'll be fun. Indeed. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that last 30%. <laughs> Goodness only knows how it'll be. But anyway, I promise I'll have fun doing it. So until we speak again, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.